Hi, my name is Anita Ray and I am a program developer with Calvert County Health Department. In the age of crisis and epidemics, behavioral health has oftentimes been in the spotlight. One day while brainstorming on how to reach the community through a different medium to share resources and the different pathways to wellness, an opportunity arose. So here we are today, hoping to shed a light on the journey from a different viewpoint, the personal journey. This is a podcast titled, If You Only Knew, Real Stories by Real People, produced and hosted by Coward County Health Department. Today, we would like to welcome Patty Schleter to If You Only Knew. Patty is a 33-year-old single mother that began her drug use in her teens. She continued down her path of drug use and it spiraled out of control to opiate use. In her assessment, the forbidden drug, heroin. Patty's story leads her down a path she would have never imagined. And today, she's in recovery and has a story to share. How old were you when you first was introduced to drugs? Um, I would say in my assessment, like alcohol would be my first introduction to drugs. So I was very young. I would say probably like six or seven in the home, you know, allowed to drink here and there. But my first illicit substance use was at 12. Was that street drugs? That, well, no, they weren't street drugs. They were Adderall. So okay. it was a prescribed drug, not my prescription. So okay. obviously, you know, not a good go. But then marijuana, definitely that was also around the same age. Um, yeah, so yeah, about 11, 12, somewhere in there. And so you continued to move forward in your drug use into your teens? Yes, I absolutely did. So the the drugs, I've already always had like self-esteem issues. I never felt like I really fit in. I was all over the place. Um, and when we moved to Southern Maryland, I really, I kind of just went with the people that were of similar, you know, feeling outcasts, if you will. And um, there was substance, substance use already going on there. So I was exposed to other things, um, harder drugs, um, uh, pills, opiates, like Percocet and things like that. So through high school, I did a lot of experimenting. Um, I didn't get addicted to opiates until I was probably about 18 or 19 years old. I definitely experimented with them, played around with them. But I was in college when I when that addiction really, truly took off. So while on your journey of drug use, what was the one thing you thought you would never do? I never thought that I would ever inject anything. I think even before that, there was another forbidden drug for me, which was crack. That was like the base. That was like the lowest of the low. But, um, you know, I crossed many multiple red lines in the sand. And um, there was always somebody out there that was worse than me. But as long as I wasn't doing that. But as substance use goes, you know, you build a tolerance. You need something different, something more. Um, and snorting heroin no longer gave me the effect that I needed or wanted. So that went over to um, IV use, and that became its own addiction. Everything can be injected. Um, the ritual, the, you know, just getting everything out and using it, um, how quick it hits you, that became its own addiction as well. Just out of curiosity, how did you find the path to heroin? Um. <laughs> You know, a guy. <laughs> so, I mean, I was already headed down that path. It was just a matter of maybe whom I would meet and when it would come into play. Um, I was in high school and I started dating a, a guy that was older than me who had already been using heroin. Um, so I was ex I was introduced to it that way. Um, and I used with him 
pretty much every day until I went to college. Um, I didn't realize probably what I was experiencing in my first week of college was withdrawal symptoms, mm -hmm. restlessness, edginess, um, you know, kind of the, the more on the mild side. Um, but it wasn't until we reconnected in the summer, I believe it was, that I that I really started to understand that I could just take an opiate to make that sickness go away. And once that was cemented in my brain, um, it just it just took off. It took a life of its own. And how did you feed your habit? Stole. <laughs> I stole a lot. Um, you know, uh, borrow money, which was technically stealing because I never intended on ever paying it back. Or even if I did, there was no way that I could. Um, any any money that I would ever get would, um, you know, go straight towards my, my substance use. Um, I would bum my car out for rides and they would bring me stuff back. I would trade, um, you know. Yeah, lots of stealing. <laughs> When I first introduced you, I shared that you were a 32-year-old mother. So during your time of pregnancy, what was your experience with drugs during that time? Did you completely stop? No. No, I did not. Um, I used pretty much all the way through my pregnancy, though I did realize that I needed help. Um, I went to a uh, facility called CAP, or Center for Addiction and Pregnancy in Baltimore. Um, I was trying not to get on like MAT or medication assisted treatment, which at that time they offered methadone and Suboxone. I wasn't, there was a stigma even in our own, you know, uh, com community of people that used to not get on that, that that was bad, that it would, you'd never get off of it. Um, that that was a cycle you didn't want to get into, but I was never able to stabilize. I would, uh, the hospital would detox me and um, I was just so sick and unable to stop until finally I kind of just gave in and tried methadone. Um, it did stabilize me. I was able to kind of, you know, not, I was able to make it through the day, but I still used. My daughter um, came a month early and she was substance exposed when she was born um, healthy, thankfully. Um, I did have a CPS case that was opened because of that. And, um, uh, about a week after she was born, I went into treatment and she would follow me about three weeks later. So she went to treatment with me. And how is she now? She's wonderful. She's sassy. <laughs> she is something else. <laughs> Seven years old. So it's crazy um, to think of uh, all of that that we went through, you know, seeing her in the hospital. I think one of the most profound moments uh, after she was born and she had to be... Um, like medically detoxed, right? Because she had not only methadone in her in her system from my methadone, but she also had um, other opiates in her system. So she did have to be detoxed. Um, she, you could tell that she was in distress. You know, you could tell that she wasn't feeling good. She wasn't cranky, crying, all of that. And then as soon as they administered the opiates into her system, that look on her face of just con not. I mean, I saw contentment, um, but just comfort. And that was hard to see, you know, that she was experiencing already what I had felt at, you know, 27, 28 years old. Um, and that scared me. So it was it was a profound moment that I had done this to her and that she was already experiencing, I guess, some of the euphoric effects of opiates at such a young age. So was that your turning point? <laughs> I think I had many turning points. It was one of the many, many turning points in my life. There was no profound change. It was no like... I am saved, healed, and we're on our way. It was gradual shifts of perspective. Um, 
I think there was just so much chaos that as I slowly started to, you know, root through the chaos and found a little bit of peace in my life, it was no longer about just a daily survival. I had time to think and grow. Um, and my perspective kind of started to shift little things like I was stealing still. I was uh, working and stealing from my job, just behaviors that, you know, that uh, come with you even after the substances aren't there. And um, I was just like, I'm not going to steal anymore today. I'm not going to steal. And I started to think more about like a broader picture. You know, if I don't steal, I can keep my job and maybe I can move up. You know, I'm on probation. I could get in trouble. I started to get fear of those things I used to be so fearless about. Um, and running, running was another thing that changed my life completely. My best friend and best friend of mine for many, many years ran. She was living in New York and I wanted to try something like that. I never thought of myself as as, as athletic <clears throat> ever. Like running pack a day smoker just didn't seem to mix, right? Uh, so while I was living in Glen Burnie, I just tried it. I would just go outside and run for as much as I could, which was like 50 feet before I was on the floor dying, you know, out of breath. <laughs> but for some reason, I kept going with it. Um, I was not medicated for my mental health disorders at the time, anxiety and depression. I think running truly saved me because it helped release some of those natural chemicals that kept me afloat and moving. Um, so I just kept going. I just kept going with it. I became actually pretty decent. I ran some 5Ks, some 10Ks. I eventually ran two half marathons and one full marathon, wow. which was a nightmare, but I finished it. So there's that. So if I had to say what took you on the path of recovery was incremental steps. Many, many incremental steps, little realizations. Sometimes after a behavior is kind of already subsided, I'll look back and be like, oh, you know, I haven't picked my thumbs out of anxiety or, you know, I stood up for myself and advocated my own thoughts and feelings, little things that just shifted. What would you say was the most powerful thing that shaped your next steps in recovery? Oh, man. <laughs> so, uh, I think running was a big thing. My daughter was another thing. There's, I don't know if there was anything that is the most powerful. Um, finding a community of people that I felt comfortable with was a huge part because I still had a hard time figuring out where I fit into this world. Um, and I slowly started to build a community of friends that like to do things that like be outside. They didn't need to be high or messed up to go have fun. You know, they had kids. We were talking about houses and, you know, just grown up stuff. It was uh, wild. But those I started to search for a community of people that reflected all of the things that I wanted in my own life. Um, intimidating as it was at first, because I felt like I had nothing to offer people that like that, that had so much, if you will, quote unquote, so much, they felt so normal to me. Um, but to be able to, you know, build a self-esteem and confidence and self-value and realize that I did have something to offer the world. Well, I always wonder whether or not when someone's on their journey, how much does treatment services or outside services play into your success on your path? Um, a ton. A ton. Um, a ton. I mean, inpatient rehab is fantastic. It absolutely is. You need to get that moment of stability, some peace and ground yourself. But all of the work really comes when you step outside of that sanctuary, if you will. Um, it's so important to have community services that help people do all the things that sometimes we take for granted. Like I 
will go to doctor's appointments with some of the people that I work with to be able to help them find their voice and like say what it is that they're trying to just communicate. Um, services that offer rides, transportation, helping people fill out forms, going to social services, like all of that kind of stuff. We take these things for granted. Like, of course, you know how to do that, but not everybody does. And when you live in a world of substance use, I mean, everything you've done is always geared towards that. Um, your survival mechanism has been hijacked. So you forget how to function in a world outside of that. Um, if you ever knew to begin with. <laughs> so if you could share anything with a listening audience today, what would it be? Learn as much as you possibly can. Learn from everything. Um, every person that you meet, every situation that you go through, there's always something to be learned. Educate yourself. Know, learn how to ask questions. Um, question everything, you know? I mean, that's our jobs, um, is to try to understand how we fit into this world. And if you don't ask, you're not going to learn. And to just never stop. I mean, I've had many slide backs. Many. Um, but if I had taken any one of those moments and said, you know what, I give up, I wouldn't be where I am. So it's learn from mistakes and move forward. Just learn. <laughs> and so how many years have you been clean now? A little over five. Yeah, a little over five. I've had two years off of methadone. I completed my methadone titration and the day after Christmas two years ago, so the 26th of December, um, and then five years without, without uh, illicit substance use. And I think one of the things I didn't share when I introduced you is that you now are giving back to the community that you actually came from. Yeah, absolutely. I work for Calvert County Behavioral Health. I'm a peer support specialist, and it kind of is as it sounds. I am somebody with uh, similar shared experiences to the people, the population that I serve. Um, I work mostly in the detention center, but, you know, I, I help people get resources, um, kind of like a confidant, somebody they can bounce stuff off of, you know, can meet people in the community. Um, and we have that shared language, shared history that makes it just that much easier to kind of help guide somebody, for people to feel comfortable with you. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to thank you today for sharing your story with us. And this is If You Only Knew, Real Stories by Real People. Thank you. Thank you. Today's episode was produced and edited by Anthony Green. The producers of today's show were Denise Dickerson, Ashley Staples-Reed, Kristen Lambert, and Anthony Green. You were listening to If You Only Knew, Real Stories by Real People. Thank you for listening, and please share with someone who may be on this journey to wellness. If you are struggling or have a loved one that may be struggling with behavioral health issues, please call our Recovery Rapid Response Hotline number at 1-877-467-5628. That's 1-877-467-5628.